Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. A short, about a 13-minute Bible study each day. Not very many, not very long, but it gets us into God's Word every day. That helps us to stay strong in our faith and even grow in our faith, since faith comes by hearing the Word of God. But it also keeps us in a focus, in, in, in a focused attention on a relationship with God, and helps us to be ready for eternity. It also helps us to have a more spiritual and therefore more positive mindset to be able to deal with life every day. And boy, there are a lot of challenges. We want to encourage you to share these short studies with everybody you can every day. You know people who need to turn their lives around. They need to start thinking about their relationship with God. Help them by sharing these studies with them every day. Through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means. But share with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can every day. You may help somebody turn their life around. You may help somebody get to heaven. What a wonderful blessing for them. But it will also be a wonderful blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today and every day. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study, asking the question, can God save a crook? Well, we've been talking about that. And of course, that particular identity is simply representative for any kind of sinful lifestyle or practice. Can God save a crook? Can God save a murderer? Can God save an adulterer, an adulteress? Can God save a a just bona fide liar, pathological liar? Can God save somebody who is sexually immoral on a massive scale? You see, the identifications could go on and on and on. And as we have seen, yes, God can save a crook. God can save anyone, no matter how deep they have sunk into sinful practice, if they will come to their senses and repent of their sins and come to him for forgiveness through Jesus Christ. God can forgive even a crook. God can forgive whatever manner of sinful lifestyle you can imagine or think of or name. We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, where the apostle Paul talked about how, and he listed a representative list there of sinful practices, and he said, these things will keep you out of heaven. Then in verse 11, he said, and such were some of you, but you have been washed, but you have been sanctified, but you have been justified. Well, he's talking to Christians there in Corinth, and he's he's reminding them that some of them were sinners like some of those identified in that list, and in that list, he included thieves or crooks. Well, isn't that something? Well, of course. We noted that the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 3 and verse 23 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All. And and what we're looking at right now is that Jesus came into this world as the Savior of all mankind. He issued the great invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29, when he said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, that leaves nobody out, correct? That's, that's it. He calls everybody to come to him. 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, he says. Well, again, did that include a crook? Does that include all manner of unrighteous, sinful lifestyles? Yes, it does. In the Revelation, we come toward the end of the entire book, chapter 22, verse 17. And here we read, And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come, and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, get that, whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Well, again, the invitation is to everybody. When Jesus told the apostles to go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, that included everybody. And he said, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. He did not place any restrictions on that. He did not classify it in certain categories of unrighteousness. If somebody has done this, well, okay, they can be saved if they will repent, if they will repent and, and believe the gospel and be baptized. But this group over here, there's too bad. They can't, they can't be saved. They can't be forgiven. No, he said, go into the, all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. So no restrictions except for those who don't believe, for those who are not baptized. Those are the only restrictions. But anybody who responds in faithful obedience in those ways will be saved. So yes, God can save the worst of the worst if they will repent and come to him through Jesus Christ in the way that God has laid out for us to do so. They can be forgiven and be saved. In John chapter 12 and verse 32, we read this, Jesus speaking, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself, all peoples. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, he said, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Again, no restrictions on who or no classifications other than all those who are lost in sin. That's who he came for. And my friend, that's you and me included. You and me. Again, Romans 3 and verse 23, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So he came to call all the unrighteous, all sinners, draw all men to him. That's all-inclusive and none exclusive. In Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 9, we read this from the Hebrews writer. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, in the sense that he was here in human form, while still fully divine, made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Everyone. You know, there's a whole lot of people in the world who need to catch that message, that they are among the everyone for whom Jesus tasted death on that cross. He came to die to pay the price for the guilt of the sins of all mankind from all time, during the time he was here 
and for all time until he shall come again in that final day of judgment. He came to call all mankind to come to him as the Savior for forgiveness and sins, for forgiveness of their sins. In Revelation 5 and verse 9, we read this. Now, this is a picture of heaven, of, of the saved in heaven. And look at, this, look at this identification of who will be there as the saved. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood, obviously speaking of Christ, and you have redeemed who? To God by your blood? Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nations and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. My, my. So redeemed us to God out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Jesus came as the savior of all mankind, all mankind. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15, here we read, and this is really a great chapter. You ought to read the whole chapter, uh, maybe later on today, before you go to bed tonight. But here in verse 15, the apostle Paul wrote, he died for all. Who died for all? Christ. He died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. He died for all, that we might live for him, for Christ, serving him for the rest of our lives on this earth. Wow, what a great blessing. What a great blessing to have a Savior who came to die for all of us, no matter how horrible a sinful life we have lived, he came to die for us so that we could have the opportunity to come to him as our savior and repent of our sins. Remember Luke 19, 10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And chapter, three and, uh, chapter 13 and verse three, if we will repent, we can be forgiven, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. But if we will come to him in repentance and obedience, what was Peter's answer on the day of Pentecost when many of those Jews, after having heard the gospel message preached to them on that day by Peter and the rest of the apostles, and they said, what shall we do? The very first response by Peter was, repent. You've got to change your mind sufficient to change your life. And then he said, first repent, and then now obedience comes. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Jesus came so that we could be forgiven, redeemed, and saved through him as our Savior. God loves us that much that he sent his son to be that perfect sacrifice to be that personal savior. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 2, John wrote this about Jesus. He himself is the propitiation for our sins. 
Now, that's a strange word, propitiation. Probably don't use that very much, do you? (laughs) It means simply a substitute for us or a cover for us, that his righteousness will cover for our unrighteousness if we will come to him in faithful obedience. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So over and over again, we read this over and over again. He came to be the Savior, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins, to give us the opportunity to, through him, be forgiven and saved and have the promise of eternal life. And that's for all mankind. John 1, 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, how bad have you been in your life? Think you've been too bad to be saved, to be forgiven? No, he came to die for you. And God through Christ offers you forgiveness and salvation. Let's pray. Father, Thank you for loving us so much and being so patient with us. Help us to take advantage of your love and your patience by coming to you through Jesus Christ, repenting of our sins and surrendering to him in baptism for the remission of our sins. Thank you, Father, for loving us that much. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Jesus' name, amen.